0: i'm rather busy uh, now he's gonna move like right along to mcgregor that's his whole life. You know. so i'm really excited to talk about this week in the x-files because i think both ebe and miracle man are episodes which are close to where the show eventually goes and, okay. and becomes i think
1: yeah um i really liked both of these episodes uh so EBE is what I guess they mean when they say it's one of the mytharc episodes.
0: Yeah, it's one of the mythology episodes.
1: Okay. I liked it. I I, I like the show going back to aliens and government paranoia again. Um I like how much the show is able to tell very different stories. This is the UFO elements of the episode are, I think, a little more window dressing y. It's more about the the paranoia, the conspiracy, the You know, this is them doing an Oliver Stone, you know, paranoia thriller.
0: Yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, I like this episode quite a bit. I I always like it because it's very entertaining. It moves along really well. And it it does a really, really good sense of, uh, like you said, conspiracy paranoia sort of stuff. It's very claustrophobic in a way, even though it's very expansive and they're traveling all over the country and, you know, changing flights and stuff. But uh, what I think, there's two things that I think are really uh key to this episode and the development of the X-Files. And the first one, of course, is the Lone Gunman. Yeah. Um, they I love the Lone Gunman. Okay. They are I don't know how you feel about them. I'm getting don't the impression them that yet. you don't love them. Um they do become a part of the show.
1: So uh question, were they intended to be a recurring character or is it just they were the Yeah, I don't
0: think so. Okay. Because
1: I, I know they I they came to the Either a off was talked about or it actually was made. Do you remember the issue with that? It was made. Okay.
0: 13 episodes.
1: Okay. But I know it went nowhere. And went nowhere. Um, yeah. I, and wasn't there a something about they released an episode about the World Trade Center and this was in 2001 or something? No, I don't think so. Okay. I thought that they were one of those. But anyway.
0: I think you might be thinking of Suddenly Susan. Okay. No, I don't know. <laughs> um yeah, no, I the lone gunmen are. I mean, I can see why you you might
1: not yeah. appreciate them in this episode. Uh they are as we we've seen plenty of, you know, one off. This is somebody that they're going to talk to, that we're going to see. And so I can certainly see that they would get developed more distinctly, more interestingly, be better at working together and were against the main cast but they do have the beginnings of I buy them as a trio I buy them as some people who know Mulder and I guess I'm looking forward to seeing that relationship develop.
0: Yeah, cuz the relationship definitely does develop. They they uh, among the three of them as well. They they do become very, you know, I would not I would not say that they ever become super well-defined characters. I mean, I don't think that the show is interested in developing its secondary characters yeah. in the same way that it's interested in developing Mulder and Scully. You know, this is this is always very much a show that is focused on Mulder and Scully, um, except when it's not. And we'll get, <laughs> we'll get to that much later. But and I'm being deliberately vague. Uh I, I think that for me the Lone Gunmen are more I mean, I like their appearance in this episode. I think that they are definitely not uh as well defined as characters as they become and i think that you know certainly someone like frohickey who is um kind of a disgusting man who's just saying that scully is hot you know there are there are elements to it which are sort of problematic and they back away from a little bit and i think that part of it is like you don't have all the context for these characters yet yeah you don't really know where they came from you don't really know why they're doing this stuff and you don't really have a sense of what their motivations are, what type of people they are. You're right. Like to you, they're just it's they're three. They're people. like a, they're like a Max, um, whatever that guy's name was. from, yeah. from that one episode in NICAP. Right. Like, do we ever see him again? Do we not see him again? You know, who knows? But it, it is the kind of thing where you have to take them from from this episode in particular and say, okay, are they? I, I mean, I think you wouldn't. I think you would at least agree that they are striking.
1: Yeah, I mean, they they. They're three player three people playing one character essentially, I think more what I'm supposed to get from that is the three of them don't all the three of them are dressing very differently. they have different demeanors and stuff, but they're all paranoia conspiracy crazy, and that's and uh, Mulder is going to meet up with many of these people. And mainly you know, one of the main jokes with them that I got is that here they are spouting off, oh, well, you know, the anti-counterfeiting strip is – it's how they track you. And, you know, they put it on the inside where other countries put it. And yet they're laughing at Mulder saying, well, aliens, yeah, sure, Mulder, you're crazy. You know, right, they, they, right. I mean that that's what I'm getting from them. So far they haven't had – they haven't exactly jumped off the screen. Uh, but – neither have any of the other people we've seen and but i think
0: that um it's it is interesting to me that that Mulder will take scully to meet them yeah because i don't think that he would have done that even six episodes ago yeah and i don't think that they would have met her six episodes ago i mean you know she does think god oh, those people were incredibly paranoid yeah I'm like what is going on with you Mulder? like why <laughs> you know and, and but he says well they're useful and they they have interesting ideas and you know they are able to uh get them the passes to get into the base at the end of the episode yeah, yeah, for yeah. example which you know do you believe or not i uh, you know i i don't know but they the, do so i believe right, i for guess right yeah, for <laughs> the sake of the argument they can hack into a top secret military installation and get passes you know um but i i i think that for for me it's just kind of i guess a wait and see attitude with them and and yeah. there are elements to that which you know. This is just one of those things where it's like this is part of the X Files. Yeah. And this is where the show is starting to to go. You know, we'll talk about Miracle Man in in a, in a few minutes, and that definitely has other resonances for where the X Files goes for very particular reasons, which we'll talk about. Um, but I think you know, moving aside from the Lone Gunman, the yeah. other part of EBE that is really uh, uh, it, it, I think it's influential in the development of the X Files. Part, you know, partly because this was written again by Glenn Morgan and James Wong. Okay. So it's another one of their episodes. They were very influential on in the show in the first couple seasons. It it broadens out the alien conspiracy, I think, in a way which makes it feel much more lived in. Yeah. You know, if you look at the early ones, like Conduit, for example, which I felt like kind of was a mess, and you liked it more than I did. It, it didn't feel lived in to me. You didn't have a really yeah. good sense of it. Like, as as a, as a viewer, you didn't get a good sense of what was going on. But I also don't think that the show had a yeah, good yeah, sense yeah. of what was going on either. And it, I feel like EBE, while I still don't have a good sense of what's going on with the conspiracy, I feel like the show at least does have a better idea about it.
1: Uh, th- I, 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 yeah, the crypticness in the conduit was because they didn't have any answers this is because they do have answers but they're keeping it close to the vest Some, for example at the end uh deep throat revealing that yes there have been three aliens killed on the uh in the world and i was one of them and i'm trying to atone for that i have no idea whether to believe him or not from that and i think the show knows the i i, I get the sense the sh- somebody on the show knows the answer to how 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 on the level he's being in the final speech.
0: Yeah, and and more I agree with you and also I think which is equally as important is that the the show says as much that maybe we shouldn't believe Yeah. because you Mulder says at the end of the episode, you know, the call back to the middle of the episode yeah. where he says, well, you know, a li- a lie is most uh, believed, you know, between two truths and Mulder's like, "Well, I, I'm trying to figure out which lie to believe." Yeah. You know, there is this element of uh, uh conspiracies are built on lies conspiracies are built on uh people which can't tell the truth and these kind of things and who knows what you know if we should believe deep yeah. Throat, if we should not believe deep throat you know Mulder seem you know for for a weird a weird part of this is that i think uh Mulder is very has always been very credulous of deep throat's motives and the yeah. information that he's been giving him and this episode throws a wrench in that of course because Deep hurt is deliberately misleading Mulder for for maybe the first time, maybe not. We don't know.
1: Yeah, you get the sense that he's been giving him good intel this entire time, so that way when he needs to give him bad intel, it won't be looked at as well. And this is a perfect example of why Scully is so necessary to Mulder. Uh, She's the one who's... I, I really like how she is able to she turns around a couple of the show's taglines. The first is when she says, "You know he's how do you how can you trust this guy? Oh, well, I could trust him and she says, Mulder, I trust only you, you right know, that that's her stamp on trust no one you know beyond the two of them as a unit and the two of them know that they are not going to lie or double cross or whatever that they are going to share beyond that they have no idea who their enemies are and when she says the truth is out there, but so are lies just because yeah, she, she completely agrees that there is some answer. She is starting to understand maybe the outlines of that answer. I think at this point she can agree that yes, there is such a thing as extraterrestrial life and there's something going on about it. Certain supernatural things have happened that she can't deny. uh, And yet just because you hear something doesn't make it, so and as Deep Throat is able to do, they are able to take advantage of Mulder's wanting to believe.
0: Yeah, I mean, they use it against him in yeah. a real way, and I think that you know that's the other part of the episode which uh, really crystallizes for me the, the one of the central themes of of the show, which is that you know this is the episode where it's made very very crystal clear that the the primary story that that or the narrative that the show is telling us about what's going on is the narrative of Mulder and Scully as a unit against the world yeah that is I mean you know and this has always been something that the show has sort of intimated about before the show is very focused on those two characters we've talked about that in the past there aren't really any secondary characters so far that have come back uh you know aside from Deep Throat now of course we have the lone gunman which do come back now and again yeah, yeah. and there's another recurring character that gets introduced at the end of the season which which you know comes you know into the show a few times a season as well. So it is sort of starting to broaden that yeah. out. I think that it's it's key to the show's uh cr- I think it's to the show's credit that this is the episode that really does ground that in a real way and it's also in a weird way Uh, the lone gunman working towards that as well, because Mulder and Scully are, are, you know, two, two people that are in a unit against the world. They are the ones that are being targeted by the government, targeted by the CIA, targeted by whoever it is. Right. We don't even know who it is. They're bugging Mulder's office. They're, they're bugging Scully, um, you know, with the pen, they're being followed, you know, all of these things. It's a very sort of, uh, it would make you crazy in a sense, (laughs) But they're also able to broaden it out at the same time by bringing in characters like the Lone Gun.
1: Yeah. Well, th- this is the first. This makes it clear that it is Mulder and Scully against the world. Previous episodes were, I think, a little more isolated, or it was a smaller group that was their antagonist, or whatever. Here is when, if we are to believe Deep Throat's part of the story, where he says, All right, you know, the Roswell incident. We still haven't. We haven't entirely figured out what Roswell means in the context of this show yet. Uh, I, I now,
0: for, if you listen to our other podcast truck about, you'll know exactly
1: what Roswell is because there was a Deep Space Nine episode that dealt with it. That's true. Um, so Quark is on this episode as a spinoff. Yeah. Huh. Um, you know they, they haven't gone into what exactly happened at Roswell within the world of the show, but some alien was found, and as you said, even though we were dealing with. Uh, so that was forty nine, I believe. Forty seven. Right? Forty-seven. Uh still dealing still in the time of That's <laughs> what Deep
0: Throat says at the end of the episode, okay. where at the height of the Cold War in nineteen forty seven, yeah. you know, China, France, yeah, yeah, the yeah. USSR, the US came together.
1: But, and so now, now the conspiracy is not just the US government, but it's a worldwide government. So yeah, it literally is Scully and Mulder against the world government.
0: Yeah, because I, I think that's right, and, and, and this episode really does a good job of broadening that out because you're right. Like in previous episodes it was very self-contained in one location. You know, if you think about episodes where Mulder was rushing onto the base yeah. and, you know, that kind of stuff, they weren't traveling all over the country and being followed. You know, whereas in this episode, they they go from Iraq to Tennessee, yeah. then they go to Seattle, Las Vegas. I mean, they're, they're broadening it out in a real way and they're saying, okay, well, uh, 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 this is how much influence, power, ha- yeah. the extent to which Mulder and Scully are a having uh, uh, come to the attention of these people, they are being directly fed a lie because they think Mulder is going to believe yeah. it i mean they they've gone from not knowing Mulder exists to knowing Mulder exists and sort of being amused by him to now constructing a, a really elaborate yeah uh, uh, con, you know a really elaborate thing at the end of the episode, trying to convince Mulder that uh, an alien spacecraft just came down and saved their their dude. Uh, Which is a lie, and he picks up on the fact that it's a lie. I think that that's the other part of the episode which I find so interesting is that, you know, yes, there is a certain degree to which Mulder and Scully have to be really, really exceptional at their job because otherwise they they won't be able to figure this stuff out. But there are two examples in the episode where uh, the shadowy conspiracy, whoever it is doing this stuff, really, really go out of their way to construct... Uh, very, very, very well done. Fake evidence. Yeah. The first one is the photograph, and the second one is the the aborted rescue or the the rescue attempt, which is not real. And both Mulder and Scully pick up on the fact that those are fake almost immediately. Well,
1: the, yeah. It, it in a lot of ways, I'm reminded of, frankly, of Buffy, where that eventually goes. Buffy is a successful Slayer because she has this family unit around her. Yeah. Who is, gives her assistance. If they're they're they I think they might still be thinking of Mulder as an atomized agent right now. So he's going to see something that if it were just up to Mulder, he's he's he literally says this is the most you know this is the best photographic evidence, you know, this is in no way a fake and Scully who is the one who is always going to be the skeptic who is rational about it, who doesn't have that pull to believe in aliens, so much as the one who's able to figure out how that it is indeed a fake, and that in a way primes Mulder to be looking for fakes everywhere. So when he, which is why he does the stopwatch business during the fake missing time episode. Uh, yeah. yeah, they they don't really they really are discounting Scully to a degree. They don't believe that she is going to be able to. Allow Mulder to see the truth. They think he is that deluded, and
0: yeah, because you know, one of the, there's two things there. I think you know, the first thing is that uh, uh, specifically with the photograph scene, you know, Mulder is doing essentially what what Scully does in these episodes, and she's saying, "Well, look at this, look at this, look yeah. at this," and Mulder is coming back and saying, "Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah." So it, it's a reversal of that, which I like. You know, it's playing around with it a little bit. That that kind of role that they they have with each other and and at this point the show has been on for for almost a season so they can start to do that kind of thing because they have identified and and developed these characters yeah. so so strongly so far but you know the other part of it is that they i i i think it's partly that they're discounting scully or or forgetting about scully but i also think it's partly that scully is integral to Mulder's quest because and and the reason why he is I mean, part of the reason why he's, you know, getting so much more information now is because, you know, he's on a television show called The X-Files. But also it's because Scully's presence... I mean, let's not forget. Go back to the pilot. Scully was put on The X-Files to debunk his work, to report back on his work, you know, to to really uh, uh, discredit his work. And she is... Apparently, not doing that. Yeah. Because she is buying into it to some degree. And also, partly why I think she's buying into it is because Mulder is developing uh, a really, really airtight way to to uh answer to answer scully's criticism you know he he's having to step up his game because he realizes that he's got scully there who is not going to buy it and it's a really depth bit of i think character development you know it's not anything that the show has outright come out and said you know Mulder has never said well i really have to step up my game scully because you're here you know he doesn't say that it's just something that i've I've noticed happening throughout the you know 18 episodes of the show that we've seen so far.
1: And I don't think it's incidental that the past while has been Monster of the Week to the effect where there is a body and they do figure out who killed the person at the end. And so, I mean, it's you're not going to debunk work when you're solving cases. I mean, Mulder is – Right. The X-Files, they've solved a bunch of them in the past few months. So – this is one of the first in a while where the truth is out there, but it's not within their reach. They're not going to re- re- get it in the hour.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I think that's actually a really good point. Yeah, that, that you know, they, they, they're they able to do this primarily because they have solved so many cases yeah. already. And we, we know that they work well together. We know that this is true. And so they can have this kind of open ended episode, which is like, well, what happened? We don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, because, you know, we haven't really talked a lot about Deep Third. I mean, Deep Third is a character that. Um, is both important to the show and not important yeah. to the show because uh, as a character, I don't think he's that interesting, honestly. I mean, I like the portrayal a yeah. lot. Uh, James Harden, I think, is the, the actor's name. But he's more important for for what he represents yeah. to the show.
1: I mean, as far... Yeah, we, we still don't quite know where the lies begin and end with him, and so we can't get a good sense of who he is as a character. Again, at the end, he says I'm trying to atone for killing this innocent alien, and I need to. I, I'm trapped by my particular position, but you're not, and you could blow this whole thing wide open. If we believe that, that gives a very particular uh, personality to him. But if he's lying, that's a very different personality, isn't it? Yeah. And,
0: well, well, let me, let me ask you this: I mean, do you believe him?
1: I believe about half of the story. I mean, what what I. What I think we can safely say after that is that at Roswell was a definite EBE, extraterrestrial biological entity, uh, that some group of governments, whether it was indeed the entire world – again, his story was so specific that I don't see why that particular part would be a lie. Mm -hmm. Either way, there was some kind of – global conspiracy which which agreed that, you know, for whatever reason the world is not able to handle the confirmed existence of aliens and so we will agree that we are going to stop it. And I do think that if he didn't quite pull the trigger, he was definitely presided over the execution of at least one of these aliens. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That much of that I I, I will believe from the story. Whether or not he definitely feel what We don't get the reason exactly that they've decided to be against aliens no matter what. It's implied to be some kind of xenophobia thing, but who knows? And we don't know if he genuinely feels remorse. I figure if he really wanted Mulder to know this story and bring this to light he could be a little less unhelpful but
0: well because i yeah i think you're right because i mean one of the things he says at the end of the episode in that i mean we i do have a couple of criticisms of it which we'll talk about but um when he's talking about the sort of blank expression on the alien's face you know he didn't know if they actually expressed emotion or if he understood what a gun was you know and then he killed him or her who knows uh or it maybe they're yeah yeah you know they don't have gender um it is the kind of thing where you don't know whether or not to believe him.
1: Right? Yeah. And and I think that. And you also don't know maybe even he believes that. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, that's another possibility that he believes that this was an innocent creature, but it indeed wasn't. We don't know what, I don't know how much Deep Throat even knows.
0: Yeah, I don't know. And I think that, you know, the, the nice visual metaphor at the very end of the episode when yeah. Mulder goes and looks into that room and there's nothing there. Yeah, you know that—that that is essentially he—he uh, he was on a wild goose chase the entire episode.
1: I know this is the X Files, and that yes, aliens do exist in the world of this. But watching this, it's 1993, and I'm seeing this for the first time. It is even possible that that this is still more lies for Mulder's benefit. Oh, sure. That it, Aliens don't exist, and it's trying to hide something else from us.
0: Sure, yeah, and I, you know, and, and I think maybe finally is that um well, there's two things. Number uh, there's a I mean, well, there's three things. I do want to I do want to call out when the X Files has a great line that I love, and uh, uh, this episode has one of them, which is um I think it's remotely plausible that someone would think you're hot, Scully, <laughs> which I love. Um, I think all it's just Scully poking fun at or, or Mulder poking fun yeah. at her, which is always great. And you know, again and Scully gives it back to him as well so
1: they they, they are surrogate brother and sister so that that's the kind of teasing that they're doing to each other. Yeah.
0: And and I also I think that the one real criticism I have of this episode and I I don't know if it's a criticism I don't know if it's a plot hole I'm not really sure. It might be deliberate. I I don't know. But you know, where, where Deep Third is really saying, you know, he's he's upping the game and he's saying, I, I put myself in, I put my life in danger yeah. every time I talk to you, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. He's hiding, they're they're doing all this crazy shit about, you know, he doesn't want to have his picture taken by a thing. I know,
1: very conveniently a photo is taken and then he hides his face. Like, you know, is that more show for Mulder's benefit? I, exactly,
0: <laughs> right. And so, you know, and, and then at the end of the episode, he's basically like, well, you're at my secret base, so let me tell you everything. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. What? Like, are you really telling me that there's no cameras in that room?
1: Yeah, yeah. I really like – I I mean, I do like how Mulder is a total Leroy Jenkins. I mean, this is the second time he's just dumbly – like, he has to know there's going to be a dozen guys with guns running after him, and he doesn't seem to care. But he almost gets the sense that if he sees it and then he's immediately shot, well, at least he saw it, maybe. I yeah. wonder if that's even like, well, we're fucked either way, but let me at least see it. Yeah, he
0: wants proof of this so badly yeah. that maybe he doesn't care that he'll be murdered. Yeah. You know, I don't know.
1: And frankly, if he's murdered for a secret, he's then that shows there's a secret. I think that's part of, they do address, why didn't they just kill us? Because it would be very, but if Mulder and Scully are killed, then there's something there. If they are there ranting about crazy alien stuff and, you know, they're just going to be two kooks that nobody listens to. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So I guess let's talk about some miracles then. This is another odd, ambiguous episode that could very well be an extraordinarily mundane thing. We could be just dealing with somebody who was mispronounced dead and managed to survive through sheer willpower. And there is an actual, I mean, because there is an actual physical murder. It's somebody is literally poisoned with cyanide, uh, Throughout this, there are mundane explanations to everything. but yeah. then there is this weird undercurrent of faith underlining everything in
0: this. Yeah, well, Miracle Man, I, I like this episode quite a bit. I think it has a great atmosphere, and I think yeah. that it's really well constructed. You know, as a, as an episode of television, uh, you know, for me, key to the X Files is always that opening part of the episode, and it's left a bit ambiguous. You know what. happened at the beginning of the episode you know it's 1983 um they're in tennessee and suddenly this guy that was burned to death is now alive again yeah uh was he dead was he not dead they seem to think he was dead yeah seemed to be extremely burned very (laughs) very 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 badly so it seems likely that he was dead uh but then it immediately cuts goes to the credits and now it's you know 10 years later and this whole thing is happening i i think that the other part of this which which is interesting to me is you know, I've I've mentioned this before, but but one of the one of the things that the X-Files becomes very interested in is an examination or sort of an obsession with a lot of this weird Americana stuff. Yeah. And this episode to me always feels like the the beginning of that because these sorts of revival yeah. churches are extremely American. Yeah,
1: this is in this, this particular branch of Baptist, I think it's you know Protestantism. Yeah, it's and a specifically an American South thing, a Bible Belt kind of a thing. This is where we're at.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so, but it, but it's always interesting to me because the X Files never uh, uh, never con, condescends no. to, to these people. You know, it, it does take their. I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't really take. I think the preacher that seriously. But I think it takes the parishioners seriously. And yeah. I think it, 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 it doesn't ever condescend to them. It treats them as people. It treats them as... They're sick uh, people they're, who are looking for a miracle. Right. And so I, I like that about the show. You know, I think that there there's a different version of the show that could have been very contemptuous of all this kind of stuff. And it's not.
1: And I mean, even the preacher himself is not treated as harshly as they might could have. I mean, he's not... You know, they're... they're we do certainly have a scene of a collection plate being passed. You know, Scully does comment on that. It is clear, yes, he's got in a certain amount of local notoriety and power and money from this. And that said, if we believe, as the show invites us to, that Samuel is indeed healing these people, then. Number one, this ministry is not rooking these people as much as it could be. Sure. Which, you know, this is a very Gul Dukat argument to say, well, <laughs> you know, they no, but, but, but it is true they could be, uh, rooking them more hand over fist than they, they could. And so
0: are you saying that Samuel is using the power of the Paw Wraiths to heal these people?
1: Basically. Um, and, and he is healing, and you know, he is doing the, 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 the preacher's faith may be a little more worldly than perhaps we would like it to be, yeah, and yet it does it does seem genuine. He is providing what he believes well, is genuine healing to these people too.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think that you know I mean we could go down a long road of discussing yeah, you know Christianity, but <laughs> there, there's a couple things here. I think number one, of course, is that um, this sort of direct ministry is uh, uh, very American. And it is very, very focused on the here and now it's very focused yeah. on the physical world it's very focused on the 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 not the spiritual world really i mean it's yeah. using the spiritual world to uh inform and help the physical world and and that is very American there is a sort yeah. of positivity and optimism here and a can do attitude that is that is extremely american yeah there's and a f-
1: Phrase called prosperity gospel, which is right. essentially, you know, the those whole who are. Osteen, yeah. yeah, if you're really holy, you're, you know, God's gonna bless you with a uh, physical wealth and and a good comfortable life, and so in a way, the preacher may even feel it's his right to have a very nice house and stuff because he's bringing. The Lord to so many people.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, he has a Cadillac for every day of the week. Who cares? Because he's healed X number of people, or his son has healed X number of people.
1: Not necessarily my personal view of the world,
0: but yeah, I I don't think that is accurate. But you know, it is. But I think that that's that's leading into my my second point, which is that you know, you and I come from a from a Catholic perspective on yeah. this and i mean i don't consider myself a catholic and i was never a very good catholic even when i was growing up um but and you know i left the church a very long time ago uh but there is a very very it's very deft of the show because this is i think the first time that the show outright comes out and says yeah. it's going to grow up catholic and um you know, it's, it's left ambiguous as to whether or not she is still a practicing Catholic, but she does explicitly say in this episode that she does believe in the
1: power of God. And she does say she was raised Catholic. Yes. This, uh, I, generally, if she were practicing, she would say, well, I'm Catholic. Right.
0: And so there is an element of that, which is very—it's very deftly sidestepping yeah. the, again, oh, look at these Hollywood people that are looking down on— mm-hmm. Uh, 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 religious believers, because Scully is a yeah. religious believer. You know, she does not deny that God exists, and and she believes in God. She believes in the power of God, and she believes in uh, 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 something spiritual that is outside the realm of yeah. what we know to be uh, uh, to, to that we can examine. You know, and as a scientist, that's also an interesting point yeah. of view for her. So I think that that's really really smart on the show's part to do that.
1: Yeah, she feels a respect for the faith, even though she doesn't particularly. Believe in this incarnation of faith. She doesn't necessarily trust the preacher because she. Ha- frankly has yeah, that i don't know Catholics and i said protestants still just never 100 percent trust each other right um and she does have a. I loop- still don't <laughs> I,
0: know, I, know. I go to a, i go to like a protestant church and i'm like what the
1: fuck Why is are this? you doing this you there's know? no
0: altar there's no crucifix
1: if you're anymore. gonna have a religion have a fucking religion come on don't have ass this what you do bread and grape juice what's wrong with you why aren't we kneeling on uncomfortable
0: <laughs> kneelers what's
1: going on here? where's all your stained glass she does respect the other parishioners who are do have faith in this. I think she doesn't trust the minister because she worries that he is taking advantage yeah. of these people who are, are, are again, genuinely sick. Generally, some of the big unfortunates in this area, yeah, like the woman who dies, <laughs> yeah, no, that, they, has, that has MS.
0: Well, yeah, I think that's true, and and you know, um. I think it's also interesting that that uh Samuel is such an is such a weird yeah. character in this in this episode as well because to me uh, you know Samuel is someone who is also being taken advantage of by this yeah. preacher in a way and I think that both Scully and Mulder pick up on that very early
1: not just yeah, yeah and not just this preacher but his adoptive father like that that's even, you know, That makes it even worse a little bit. He doesn't feel that he is worthy of his gifts. He thinks that, yeah. he, you know, we don't know why he thinks he is such a sinner. You get the sense it's deeper than just these murders, but he's somebody who's drinking and smoking and stuff and probably feels that certain of the worldly pleasures he might enjoy are what's taking him from the path and leading people to die. Getting into fights. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and there is this, I mean, there's, there's a lot to unpack in this episode, but you know, the, the guy who, uh, becomes sort of their totem or whatever, like the one that the burned guy, the burned guy that, yeah, that, that Samuel brought back from the dead when he was a child, uh, is, is obviously, you know, he has a different type of faith. And I think this episode is very interesting in examining all the different aspects of faith because, the end of the episode, he sort of implies that he thinks that Samuel's power doesn't come from God, it comes from the devil. Well, yeah. And that, you know, because he was brought back from the dead, but he did not want to be, and he is suffering <laughs> his entire life.
1: Well, I was, yeah, I made a joking note at the beginning of the episode, like, oh, great job, kid. Like, you yeah, brought this guy to life, but his entire flesh is burned. Like, you know, he he's probably trying to cough and it's just agony for a and that actually turns out to be the underpinning of the episode, like what kind of a benevolent God would bring somebody back into a life of suffering? This obviously has to be from the devil. This God, this kid has to be uh, an evil force.
0: Yeah, and on the one hand, I think that that's kind of a facile yeah. reading, but I think that that is, uh, you know, that, I'm not saying that you're a facile. No, no, I mean, no, no. I'm saying like his opinion about that is a little facile because we don't know what's going on here. Yeah. I think that Samuel is very conflicted about where his power
1: comes from as well. And I think, but I think it's the end of the episode gives this where... Again, whether Samuel actually appears to this guy or it's his, he's having a nightmare due to his stress and he, uh, wh- whatever it is, the show leaves both options open. He does believe that Samuel gives him forgiveness for these murders, for disgracing his name. And in such a, you know, show of divine style love, he is unable to. It, that shakes his faith. He's always believed that the, it, if. If Samuel's spirit is able to forgive him for murdering him, then he actually did murder somebody of God and not a, you know, there is no, you know, he can't justify his murder, what he's done, his disgrace of him, because, you know, at least all, if he's from the devil, at least he's casting out the devil, even if it's through a, you know, poison a series of events right, right. you know what he might have done was actually kill somebody who actually could bring people back
0: well yes but also is samuel dead well and then also
1: it, it, yeah
0: it's difficult because of course the burn guy and i wish i'd written down his
1: name i don't did
0: i actually say his name in the episode i, I don't know they
1: did i didn't write it down either though we'll call him hat guy
0: um you know he is blues brother number two <laughs> there you go blues brother number two you know, he, he's we we can't forget that that he was poisoning people, yes. and that he was he was essentially doing this, like you said, because he felt like Samuel's power was coming from a place of evil and wanted to stop him. And the only way he thought he could stop him was not to kill Samuel, but to uh, uh, essentially uh, frame him for the deaths of these people. And and you know. It's a weird, weird kind of thing for him to be doing,
1: yes, well i I will say, just as the government is not it would rather drive Scully and Mulder into being seen as these two u f o chasing cranks who don't actually matter. If you kill Samuel, then you've martyred your prophet if he suddenly starts killing other people and is arrested as a murderer then you've killed the church.
0: That That is true, certainly. But I, I do wonder a, how, yeah. how he justified that.
1: It's a little over-elaborate. We have to accept certain uh, justifications on his part that I don't know if...
0: Yeah, I think so. But I, I, I do say that I think Miracle Man is an example of the show's increasing confidence at, at telling... You know, really ambiguous. I think, and and, and moving stories yeah. about a lot of really deep themes because you know the show has gone from an episode like uh, Space, for instance, oh, which was God. awful, to to this episode, yeah. I think, which was maybe it was co-written by Chris Carter. I don't remember, but it's like this is a really really no. good episode, and it's it's juggling a lot of things. It's it leaves a lot of very ambiguous. There, there's nothing really ever completely pinned down aside from the fact that that blues brother number two was, was murdering some of these people. They don't answer the question of Samuel. They don't answer the question of the faith. They don't answer the question of, you know, where this power is even coming from. Because I think that, you know, again, it makes the correct choices in not overstuffing the episode by having Mulder you know, have a five-minute scene with Scully where he talks about, well, I don't think this is coming from God because I'm not a believer, yeah. but I think that he has the ability to, um you know, he has the ability to to affect or manipulate electromagnetic fields yeah. with his hands, and so that's how he's doing this. Because you know, they kind yeah, of do that he a does little mention bit. Mention but... that he
1: knows about certain psychic healings. He doesn't go into any of the science or even pseudoscience between behind it, but. It, uh, which again would bog down the episode. It's enough to know that this thing can exist, and right. it's possible that he is just using a natural phenomena and thinking it's divine.
0: Right, because there is that one brief scene where you know Mulder says, "Well, you know, Western medicine treats the body as a biochemical yeah. reaction, and you it could also be treated electromagnetically." And that's, but he doesn't go any further than that. Yeah. And the episode do, isn't
1: really interested in that angle
0: whatsoever.
1: I mean, I think for Mulder, it's enough that this case is somehow important to scully right like he uh yeah at the very beginning you know she's saying oh i know this isn't an x-file and he says oh it doesn't matter let's go you know it's interesting enough on its own and for whatever reason this is something scully's bringing in and yeah let's do this
0: yeah i know i think that's actually really that's really true and that's nice and i think well you know because scully uh, for for someone who who brought this uh, case to his uh and, and who's doing a lot of investigative work and sort of, you know, really pushing the the father of that woman who died or was poisoned by the man uh, to, to get the autopsy and to figure out what exactly is going yeah. on here. And, you know, it is a very striking uh, visual – I think visually striking as well. I mean there's that one thing where um, Samuel's getting beat up in the jail and he's got his arms out and it's, yeah, you know, yeah. shot in shadow like, you know, Christ on the cross. I mean stuff yeah. like that. It's a little, you know. But uh, it's, it's just an increasing thing about the show's visual yeah. sensibility. But um, – the, the part of the episode that I think is always the, the weakest for me is uh, Mulder seeing that yeah. little girl. And it's kind of like, I don't know... Like, like,
1: Especially because she doesn't look quite like... No. Pic- we, see a, we finally see a picture of Samantha, and that wasn't the little girl, is that... Right. I, I, I love Scully's Jessica Hahn joke, but... Um, which one was that? Uh, uh, he says, Oh, there was a girl around, and she goes, Oh who, Jessica Hahn? And uh, Who's Jessica Hahn? Uh Jim Baker. He was embroiled in a scandal with the young woman named Jessica Hahn. Yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> it's it, it, it it's her making a, a a you know, slightly vulgar joke about the minister's proclivities. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um but anyway, uh I think found the conversation between them where she is saying stuff like, you know, well, you know, at med school, we're taught that, you know, believing in a miracle is half of half the battle, sure, you know, and sure. you see what you want to see and all of those. And she's gently suggesting to him that, you know, or maybe there is a girl around there that he's thinking is his sister, that Samuel is just really good at cold reading. After Scully's experiences in beyond Beyond the Sea she really has the right to say this to him. Like, I I, I found that gives her a certain authority that she didn't have before because she exactly went through all of this. She has to live with the ambiguity about this, the fact that there was, you know, these mundane things. There was a body. They figured out where the body came from, who mm-hmm. did it, but mm-hmm. yet there were still some unanswered questions and that faith has to fill in those gaps. And so she both you know she can both admit that yes Mulder is having some kind of experience where he is seeing something and that could be very deeply meaningful at the same time he could just be you know wanting to believe so badly that you show him a fake alien photograph and he's going to run off in the complete opposite direction
0: yeah i think so but but my question is always what is he actually yeah what is he getting out of this and what is Samuel's role in all of this because yeah. the the two visions or the three visions that he sees of the little girl in red it, it you know the only explanation i can come up with is that Samuel is is trying to distract him for some reason you know i, I don't know and and it's always the weakest part of the episode yeah. to me because it it doesn't feel thematically it's, related to anything else that's going on in the episode
1: it's more they for some reason want to remind us that Mulder had a sister who disappeared. Don't forget this here. We're going to remind you of this. And for whatever reason, they couldn't put a line in EBE about that. I mean, it really seemed it was – that part was more for the audience's benefit. Again, just this plot point exists in the show. This is Mulder's backstory.
0: But isn't it enough to just have that scene with Samuel talking about Mulder's pain then? Oh, yeah. If you want to remind the audience of the existence of Samantha, why not just have that one scene? Why why have him have these visions?
1: I know. And it's not like the episode was, wasn't was full of other stuff and you needed to add I No, you're right. I, I, I agree. That was the weakest part of the episode. And I didn't get – it didn't add anything necessarily to the plot. It didn't add anything to the characterization. It was just yeah. – it, it, I mean, frankly, if this had been in the era where they had the previously on the X Files kind of a thing, uh, having a clip of Mulder saying, "Well, when I was you know twelve, my sister disappeared," would have done the same what exact a, yeah, thing. Yeah, that's I, I guess the entire purpose of that for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what what do you make? I mean, we haven't talked about Samuel as an actual person, and, and we don't really get a good sense of you know, what, what his real struggles are. I mean, he obviously doesn't, he's very conflicted about, about what is going on, where his power comes from and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he's obviously someone who has a lot of
1: psychological trauma. I mean, he's
0: drinking and smoking and getting into
1: fights and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he's somebody who he's the child of a stage father, really. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you, he isn't in a way, I don't think he's been allowed to have a personality of his own. He's how we don't, We never learn how he began to discover these gifts, why his father decided that, you know, oh, I'll take you to an accident scene and we'll see if that works. Uh,
0: Oh, your father didn't do that?
1: I mean he did, but, you know, it wasn't because (laughs) – it was more to traumatize me and not because (laughs) he uh, thought I would actually do anything. Um, I I mean you almost get the sense for his entire life this child has been groomed for the purpose of being the star of his father's ministry and – the thing to draw again if we are going with the uh the preacher being kind of corrupt may, again maybe not as corrupt as he could be yeah, but still yeah. living a little larger than maybe he you know should be quote unquote uh
0: well cuz i mean there is an element to the episode an undercurrent to the entire episode of course which is that while it's not criticizing the uh parishioners it's not criticizing the believers it is obviously criticizing the, yeah. the preacher and i think that you know, I don't know if the episode is going so far as to say that the character of the preacher doesn't care about Samuel or doesn't love Samuel. Yeah. I think he does, but he's also he, – Samuel is his meal ticket, and so there's always going yeah. to be this element of of creepy kind of using him.
1: He loves Samuel because he has these gifts and he because he's brought so many people to his ministry, and if Samuel started failing, you get the sense that – He wouldn't be so loving and kind to him, right? You know. Again, he loved me. We don't. He doesn't stay alive long enough for us to see his relationship to his son when he's failing. Uh, We we he's still he's treating Samuel's psyche as if he's going through a crisis of faith and can still be pulled out of it, but we. If if this continued another couple months, if Samuel wanted to leave the ministry, if he did it, you know, he doesn't exactly have the option of saying, "Listen, I just want to go to college. I want right. to have a I have a career as a bookkeeper, and that's going to be my life." Yeah, well, the, that, the father's not going to be happy with that,
0: right? Because that's the thing. I mean, if you look at Samuel and say, "Okay, he's eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. Yeah. however, however old he is, he's an adult, but he's not he's not yeah. like, you know thirty years old or something." He is someone who obviously has been in the fa- in the shadow of his father. He's someone who maybe has never really had his own identity or personality, and he's yeah. now realizing he wants one he's he's kind of lost. And you know, him dying, faking his own death at the end of the episode, yeah. wh- you know, whatever's going on there, um, is is part of that because it's almost as though I mean, I think that the end of the episode where they come to the sheriff's house and they have questions about him being murdered in his cell, essentially, you know, it is the kind of thing where Samuel may not have wanted to die, but he is using this as an opportunity to get on with his life Mm. in a weird way. Yeah, I don't know. And also the anguish at the end of the episode on, on the sheriff's wife's part. Yeah. Who, who, that was another little weird thing where she's like he was a fake, right? He was a f-. you know, it's like yeah. oh, okay.
1: Well, if he was real then she didn't have to I mean, she is another person who she is in a motorized chair if he could have you know, the the it's interesting that the sheriff who is very much not in this group. I mean, when at the beginning when he says well, the coroner is you know, part of the ministry then you get the sense of one of those towns where just everybody's in the weird local religion, and you know it's it's extraordinary, like Salt Lake co- City. <laughs> um, oh God, what was the name of that one town? I mean, because there's even worse places like that. But um, yeah, yeah, you know, so you're supposed to think of the sheriff as a person who is on the side of the law. I mean, he has that line to Mulder, like, "Listen, this is the South, but we still give a, you know fair trial on all of this." Ten minutes before he lets in two thugs to beat up the. uh prisoner that Boulder has just told him is going to get away without any charges. I mean, that's obviously why the sheriff does that at that particular moment. You can tell he is almost less interested in the truth and more interested in, well, that church is doing something and I have to shut it down.
0: Yeah, I think so. I guess maybe the, the the final thing to say before we wrap this episode up is um, the, the, the one thing I always do appreciate about Miracle Man in particular is the the growing confidence in the sort of theatrical visuals of the show. Yeah. And these sort of huge set pieces. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've already talked about the Shad the Christ shadow and, you know, the locust in the in the in the courtroom yeah. or another example. And the show is just getting really, really uh visually very interesting. I mean, it's always yeah. been a good looking show, but it's definitely kind of going above and beyond.
1: And I also like how it does interesting visuals for very mon- for mundane things. This is not just like special effect alien light shows. The the beating of Samuel is two guys hitting him. The locusts turned out to be a bunch of locusts they bought and put through a vent. Like, right. but but it's you know, or, or the 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 set pieces inside the tent, you know, with the with the singing and and all, all the preaching and all. I mean, yeah, it's a very striking show. Yeah, yeah. This is a good episode. This is a good week.
0: Good. I'm glad. Are you, are you coming around to to the X Files? Are you starting to look forward to it now?
1: I'm looking forward to seasons two and three. Because I, 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 again, if especially if this is the direction, this is what a little more confident X Files that knows what it's doing is going to be doing. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, I'm ready for the rest of the season to file off the edges and get into that part when it actually knows what it's doing, when it can stand up and say, "Well, no, we're not going to do that type of story, or we are going to do this type of story."
0: Yeah. I think that's fair. Well, we will find out uh, what stories the show is going to tell next week in just a minute. But if you have any comments on either of the episodes of the X-Files we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash TrekAboutShow, which also supports our other podcast, TrekAbout, which if you are not listening to, you should, because we're in Star Trek Voyager now, and we're having fun with it, even though a lot of people don't think it's fun. Social media, we're on it. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Tuning Show is our name in all those places. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning in. It is the best way for new fans to find the show. Next week, we are getting to the end of the season. Oh. Uh, it hasn't felt short, but I don't think it's felt long either. Yeah, uh, It's felt just right. Uh, we are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, three more episodes of the podcast, and then we will be... At the end of the season. Okay. 24 episodes in this season. Next week, we're talking about episodes 19 and 20 of the season Shapes and Darkness Falls.